Thanks for listening to the Gen 5 podcast. I'm Alex. I'm the VP of Creative at Gen 5. And I'm Kia. I'm the VP of Ops at Gen 5. And this is our debut show. I'm going to lay a little bit of a framework here, what this podcast is about and why we're making it. We believe that marketing in B2B is essential for growth. So if you're working for a B2B company, you're interested in in growing or in marketing or how it works, you want to learn best practices or any of that, we're making this podcast for you. And to get things started off, today what we're going to talk about is something that we believe is critical to pretty much every company, regardless of whether you're B2B or B2C, but there are obviously a lot of differences between B2B companies and B2C. And we're going to get started talking about that. So, Kia, why don't we first discuss some of the big reasons why B2B is different than B2C? Yeah, I think B2B is a lot different than B2C because in B2B, most people are buying with a buying committee. It's not just one person making an impulse decision. There are lots of checks and balances in that process. And another thing is... The B2B market in many industries is very crowded. There's a lot of noise. Um, there are a lot of people trying to sell different things. And I think it's, it's overwhelming for a potential buyer sometimes when they get so many promotions and messages to really filter out what is helpful, what could be helpful, what they might be interested in. So um, since there is a lot of noise, you have a split second to actually uh, capture your buyer's attention, make an emotional connection with them, and make them want to learn more. So it's really critical that you do it right. So there, there's good news and bad news. The good news is there are plenty of B2B companies that are not promoting themselves and using messaging properly. So that's good for the <laughs> that's right. hundreds and even thousands of B2B companies out there. There's a lot of room for improvement. And you can stand out. The bad news is that B2B marketing is really, really hard because as Kia just said, you know, we're not selling t-shirts. We're not selling a cool game on your mobile phone. You know, we're not selling discount iPhone chargers. You know, things that people buy at a glance. Hey, that's cheap. Not a whole lot of risk in me buying this. I'll buy it, and it's one person. And and there's a lot of bias going into that. I have a bias towards a certain style or whatever. With B2B, if, for example, you're selling software and you are um, a VP of ops, for example, and this over with a manufacturer and this software will really help you potentially increase productivity, are you going to suggest it right away? Upon first glance, you're reading an email from someone, oh, this software is great. I'm going to run that up the flagpole. I really want this. No, because if you install it and it turns out not to work, your neck is on the line. So B2B is about what can it do for me, and it's going to be heavily scrutinized. It's not about, oh, I like your logo, or you know your, your website's cool, or whatever. It's about functionality and benefits. And B2B marketing is really hard, and, and that's, that's where we're starting today by starting really from the beginning. I mean, actually, <laughs> B2B marketing is like this circle. I mean, you know, it, it goes on and on, but where we're going to start is when you try to reach out and engage with a prospect at the very beginning and promoting whatever it is you're promoting. And that could be a lot of different things. And I think that's really important too, because B2B sales cycles are very complex, as you just said, Alex, and there are a lot of steps that are typically involved. So there are a lot of ways throughout the sales cycle where prospects and potential prospects can um, drop off. They can leave your sales cycle. So the first step, getting people into your pipeline through promotions is critically important because you are going to have drop off throughout the sales cycle. So you have to make sure that you're um, 
essentially feeding the top of the funnel as much as you can. Right. And, you know, one thing to consider, I think that's very important, is the fact that if you are selling an enterprise-type solution, like enterprise software technology, that's affecting everyone and everything, there are different reasons why one person would want this technology versus another. And they might both want it, but it could be for different reasons. or you know, And that happens all the time, we see. So when you're blasting out, let's say, an email to a list of prospects, you need to be very clear in your, while you're promoting your product. Let's say you're promoting a product at this point. You're try- or you're promoting, rather, a, a webinar um, that discusses how to solve a particular problem that your prospects are having. If you're blasting out one message to several different roles, um, a CFO and a VP of ops, and it doesn't apply to one, then they're not going to associate very kindly over time with your brand if you keep hitting them with messages that really just don't matter to them. I think, yeah, there's there's two parts to that. So one would be messages that don't matter to them, but two is generic messages don't work either. Right. <laughs> so a lot of what we've seen working with B2B companies is we hear a lot of the same attributes. We hear we help you save money. Mm-hmm. We hear we help people gain visibility. We help them gain control. And you could say that for a logistics company, for a procurement company, for a healthcare IT company. There's so many different companies where you could say those things, but it doesn't really tell your potential buyer why they should care about you and what you're selling. So I think those are probably the two biggest things that you can do when promoting is ask yourself why they care and is it specific to roles. And it doesn't stand out, I think, is the, the yeah. you know, if, if everybody is saying the same thing, and, and it's important to point out that you know, we've worked with several companies that truly believe that they have the unicorn. They have the <laughs> the one product that really does make it, no, no, you really do get visibility. And they're not even necessarily wrong. But marketing, unfortunately, is perception, right? If everybody is saying the same thing, it, it all evens out. You know, whether or not your competitor, you know that your product, your service or whatever gives visibility more and I have proof and I can, you know, I'm very passionate about it. If it's coming from all different angles, it doesn't matter. It's not standing out because everyone is saying it. And that's the unfortunate truth. What's encouraging is the ways that you can break through that and really hone in on the problems that your prospects are having. And I think that's actually one thing when you talk about promoting, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about different promotions and you can speak to promoting um, a trade show and why you, why a prospect or potential customer for a B2B company would want to come visit you at a booth. I mean, we could talk about that. That's different than say promoting a webinar or, or promoting your product launch. Um, but one thing that companies I think make a mistake, and I, you know, it's it's we're not being critical here, but people respond. If you if everybody we look inwardly, what do we respond to? Things that matter to us that are relevant. And when you talk about your work life, well, then what am I going to react to? Something that I think is going to make my life easier at work, mm-hmm. or that's going to help you solve your um, your problems, or is going to help you become you know a better professional or a better employee for your company and help you move up throughout the ranks. Those are all motivators. Yeah. So I remember, I remember one time we were doing a, a campaign for a company many years ago and they had done a really good job segmenting out their prospect base based on 
they looked on the, the deals that they had won and who were the primary relationships in those deals, and they found that the VP of ops was the primary role that they dealt with that led to um, a deal signing. And so they really wanted to hone in on, on that person. And we really had to look at what specific problems and problems, I mean, that you can take that as like a, a very severe word, or you can take that for what it is, a challenge, a discrepancy in where they are today and where they want to be. But essentially, it's yep. a challenge, essentially. So VP Ops, they want their production levels to go up. They, they want to be efficient. They want to produce as much with as little as possible. They want to be wise with their resources. So if you go with them and say, I want to help you control and see and save in those generic words, well, that's not really hitting them. I mean, if you have a product, for example, if you're a company that has a product that can help a VP of manufacturing uh, drastically reduce turnaround time on, a, on, on producing whatever, and you can show him that and say, look, if you're tired of how long it takes to complete X, Y, or Z, my product can get you to do that in half the time. Let's say that's an example. Well, now you're speaking directly to someone that experiences that. And it's really easy. I mean, if, if you are serving, if you have a client base and you have a customer base, you should know what areas you, what problems you solve, and that's how you should promote yourself. I think one of the most critical things, Alex, that you just said is the company that we were working with, they defined who they're selling to. Mm. And I think that's one of the mistakes that we see a lot of times when we're working with these emerging companies. They're selling to whoever will talk to them mm-hmm. or who will call them back or whoever their sales reps know. And I think it's, it's a little bit time-consuming sometimes, but it's so worth it to sit down and say, who is my ideal customer? What roles are they in? What what challenges do they have? And so that specific company found out that the VP of operations is their primary target. And that's really important because then you put more weight on speaking to those people and your sales reps start calling on more qualified customers. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to really break this down because we're talking about effectively promoting whatever it is you're trying to get traction with, whether it's like I said, a trade show, a webinar, or a product. You know about trade shows a lot more than I do. So what what would you say are some, I don't know, effective ways to promote? Or what could a company think about talking about and getting people to interact with them at a trade show or promoting their presence at a trade show? Like what are things that that would help? Yeah, I don't know how long we have. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, one of the things that I see often, and this is probably a function of most emerging companies having limited financial resources, but when you look at a trade show presence, you have a booth or you have banner stands or you have something that's displaying what you do in your booth. And most of the time, trade shows that you go to have different attendees, either by industry or by role. So I think a common mistake is that the, the trade show, either banners or booth, is very generic. You'll see on a lot of trade show booths that it'll say, we help (laughs) save money, gain visibility. And nobody knows what you do. And, I mean, a trade show is just like calling someone or sending them an email. You have to catch their eye, Mm -hmm. and you have to make them stop because there's a 100 other things that they want to be doing right then. So I think um, making your your presence at the trade show either industry or attendee-specific, however you can. And it's the same thing. I mean, pose a question on your booth or on on, um, the banner stand that says, are you in this situation? This is how we help. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. I think that's one of the the easiest ways that you can help yourself at a trade show. And so, you know, ultimately what you want to do when you are trying to engage with someone, you want them to respond. And it really doesn't matter. Well, it does matter <laughs> to a certain extent. But it really doesn't matter 
why they're responding. Like, mm-hmm. for example, a business, right. if you make a business case and say, hey, my product can help you do this and it's guaranteed or whatever, and you really speak directly to their problem that they're having, we solve this, That's a, and they respond to that, that's great. But also with the trade show, I mean, you have to think, well, what do they care about? Why are they there? What's the nature of the trade show? What if we gave away like a, a brand new tablet, a brand new driver, a golf club or whatever. It depends. All those variables. I mean, those are also effective ways to communicate with an audience to get their attention because ultimately, you know, at these trade shows, you just want to establish something. You want to talk to them. Yep. And more importantly at trade shows, you really want their information because if you're doing marketing correctly or the way that we believe you should be doing marketing, (laughs) I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, You want their information so that you can produce valuable content and send it to them, content that you know is relevant to them because you have their title and you have their company and their industry. So when I manage trade shows and and help companies do that, my primary goal is to get as many names as possible. All right. Um, To be polite, be friendly in the booth, you know, see Mm -hmm. what they're there for. If there's anything specific, be sure to follow up with them on that specific stuff. But get their name and follow up with them later. Nobody wants to be sold at a trade show. But they do want to know, hey, I remember them. I remember seeing their booth. They were, you know, they were interesting. I want to find out more. But a trade show is definitely not the time to, you know, be passing out collateral and ebooks and <laughs> and whatever else you could possibly fit in their bag that they're going to take home or leave in the hotel room probably. Uh, so that, that's interesting because, I mean, the different types of industries and trade shows are, I'm sure, vast. I mean, I'm sure there are accounting trade shows that are yeah. more low-key and not as exciting. And I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> sorry, oops. Um, sorry, accountants. I mean, accounts are great, right? But um, anyway, no, there are also types of uh, trade shows that maybe have more flair and more different personalities that draw a different crowd on purpose. You know, yep. so you gotta you gotta figure that out. And so I think that goes to what we said earlier: figuring out who you're selling to. Yep. So when you're promoting yourself, you're at to to get someone to interact with you or to come by at a, at a trade show specifically. Um, you got to think about what they care about, and that's at the end of the day. Yeah, I definitely think we could um, talk. Let's definitely come back and talk about more, uh, like um, other marketing tactics, like webinars and, and ways that you can promote effectively there. But I think one thing that we have probably failed to mention is the time investment that you should take up front to create what us marketers call buyer personas. Mm-hmm. Really, that's a profile of who you're selling to, and it outlines the things that we've talked about. It outlines. Um, who they are, what they care about, what their professional and personal goals may be, um, what they're responsible for in the company, what their metrics are. And if you have, it sounds silly, but if you put it on a piece of paper and visualize, you know, this person is the controller of a company, This he lives and breathes these things, it really helps you when you are sending out your promotions because you can say, hey, does this guy on this piece of paper here care about this stuff mm-hmm. or does he not? And it's a really good way to just get your team on the same page I think a lot of emerging companies probably don't do it because it's not easy. Well, it's not easy, but there are some, absolutely some shortcuts. Yep, right? there so are. a lot of people, when, when you say you need to develop buyer personas, that the way you phrase that could sound intimidating. Like, oh, I need to go it's buy It's kind a, of an intimidating phrase. Yeah, I need, well, yeah, get a buyer persona. You know, <laughs> Duh. Go, go hack into the government's <laughs> mainframes and <laughs> where they live and what are they like. Go spy on them. No, it. You think, oh, I gotta go buy research, expensive research yep. on this role, and go to an analyst or, or whatever. That's actually, it's probably gonna be expensive and time consuming and academic. We're gonna teach you how to bootstrap the, it. The bootstrap it. What what you really should do is go to. Is, if, this is for companies with an established um, customer base, and we could talk about what a startup can do later. But 
what you do if you have an existing customer base is go to your sales team, like your outside sales reps that close deals and that have these guys put pen to paper, especially your best ones that close a lot of deals, and talk to them about who are these people that you are mainly interacting with. Now, you need to be careful because there are going to be some sales reps that have different personalities than others that are going to, for example, I, when I was doing buyer persona research on, on CFOs, I had one sales guy that I was talking to that was like scared of CFOs because he was a very friendly guy. And CFOs, I'm not saying CFOs are unfriendly at all, but they tend to be more, hey, show me numbers. Mm-hmm. I just, I want details. I'm not here to small talk. Sorry, but I just want your numbers. And this guy in particular, that I, the sales rep, was a very friendly guy. He was there to establish a relationship and get people comfortable and kind of show his, his ethics up front before getting into the numbers. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. You got to understand the personalities. But to ask them, what's their demeanor like? How old are they typically? Because these guys, each one of these sales reps, especially if they've been around to different companies and industries or whatever, they know. They know. They can tell you. Yep. You take it with a grain of salt because sales guys, you know, they have their own opinions and you can take the opinions of other people, your own CFO or whatever, but build that out and say what frustrates them the most. Like when you That's get in right. a boardroom and you um, want to really speak to them what and, and, they're, and they're making their whatever. Sales pitch. <laughs> no, 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 their sales pitch. But when the CFO is saying this is bothering me, this is whatever, ah. and they might not even be the one to voice that. Maybe the CEO does. But- what are they saying? So you take that and say, well, hold on a second. If that's a big hot button issue, your messaging and what you're promoting should reflect that. Um, I, and I know that I, I probably covered for this particular company. I spoke to, I think, seven of the top sales agents and, and sales reps. And they all came back. When I, when I said, what are the three top reasons why they started looking for a solution? And this was a, a logistics company. And they said, number one was they really had no idea what was going on in their logistics operation. They, they needed something to get them to see what was going on. Number two, they really didn't think that they were getting the, the best cost out of it, and they, they needed help in that area. And three was they found logistics to be more and more of a strategic part of their business, and they wanted an expert. And every single one of those guys gave those three examples. Only one or two had them in different orders. But we took that and we said, okay, so those are the reasons why these people are signing on the dotted line. Yep. Then why wouldn't we speak to that and what we're promoting? You know, mm-hmm. hey, do you feel like, you know, I mean, think about that. If, if that, if you get enough sample size and they've talked enough to enough executives, you know, sit down and, and say, well, when I promote my product or my services and, and I'm, I'm going to con- even conduct a webinar, mm-hmm. would I not say in that case, in this um, particular example, five ways to really get to see what's inside your logistics operation. Well, by, by what we just heard, that's something that's going to stand out to a lot of people. Not everybody. You're not going to be able to please everybody. But those are the types of messagings and your promotions that are going to be effective because you're talking about what gets people to move. Yeah, and I think when you look at effective promotions, if you are doing mass marketing, mm. kind of awareness, generalized marketing, you know, we help people save money and blah, blah, whatever else, um, you know, you may blast that out to 500, 5,000 people and get 10 people maybe yeah. that, that say, okay, <laughs> let's talk. But if you do these really personalized, um, targeted messages, you may only be sending them to 50, 100 people at a time, but your rate of return is going to be much greater 
because you're actually speaking to them. So really, when you take the time in, to invest in creating buyer personas, you prevent yourself from sending out messages that people don't care about. Right. Because for each message you send out, you should be able to say, and this is why they care right, right. here. Right. It's actually interesting. Um, everybody, every company wants a large list of, yep. of contacts. Everyone. And you should. But you would rather have a smaller list of people that you've engaged with that have raised their hand and interacted with you than a huge list that you have literally never talked to. So um, when you have these large lists of contacts, segment them out before you promote because if you are trying to get to the very bottom of what frustrates someone to get them to act, to get them to say, hey, I recognize, or hold on a second, what they're saying relates to me. I, I, I recognize this as a problem. Different roles are going to have different problems. So if you're trying to be narrow, then by by the very nature of, of that being true, sending it out to a VP ops, a CEO, a CFO, a, a director of IT or whatever, there's probably zero messages that will be appealing on a wide scale, you know, that'll get people to say to act all at once. It's so, a very good way to get people to unsubscribe. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should go without being said, actually. But, um, you know, if and that actually hurts your brand a little bit. I, I remember one of the one of the CEOs that we worked with um, before had a very valid point in, in talking about his sales reps not being ready to adequately describe the value of the company. Yep. And he said, you know, every time that I have someone that's not ready to talk about why we're valuable and they mess it up, in that person's mind, however significant that that really is, or whether that really did make a difference, or if that was insurmountable or not, that's true. So if you are a pest, and you're in, in essentially when you send a message to somebody or an email or a promotion to, some, to someone, and they don't care about it, you're a pest. You're taking up space in their inbox. You're another spammer. That's why it's so that's so important for you to carefully consider. Okay, who am I selling to? Why do they care? That's the litmus test. I mean, I really think if you just take those two steps, we just spent you know, 20 minutes talking about those two <laughs> steps. Who, who am I selling to? Why do they care? And then base your promotions and your messaging based off of that. That's right. And that's promotions across the board. Yeah. It's um, asking people to stop by your trade show booth. It's asking them to register for a webinar. It's asking them to, you know, see a demo of a new product or whatever it may be. But the way in which you phrase your call to action cannot be, hey, um, come look at our awesome software. Come look at this. Like, what's in it for them? That's what they care about, and that's what you need to tell them. We save you more money. We give you more options than anyone else. Well, that's great, but I, guess what? Eight I'm million, not looking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> eight million other people are telling me the same thing. Um, and I think that email marketing today, I think the the most effective marketers are able to get to that human level. Yep. Because, you know, I mean, used to be, you know, you, we all see those kind of funny cartoons how people used to hate getting mail and they'd be so excited to check AOL, you know, that you've got mail and everyone yeah. freaked out. Exactly. Now it's the opposite. They get they get too much mail. So in order to stand out, because email marketing, regardless of what everyone tells you, when you're trying to promote, that's the best and cheapest way to get in front of somebody. And there is a way to do it well to really boost your engagement levels with these people that you're trying to reach. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So um, we can go into a plethora of other topics from this. We can jump right into content marketing, but unfortunately we're going to table that for another time. But uh, we definitely uh, believe that if, if you are in a place where you want to get the most out of what you're promoting, and it really doesn't matter what, if, if, if you're just trying to get someone to act, to engage with you, that you have to follow the steps of, 
okay, who exactly cares about this? Mm-hmm. And then base your messaging off of that. And I uh, hope that this was helpful um, for anybody listening that uh, regardless of what company, what industry that you're working for, if you have any questions for us or any comments or feedback or you want to hear a certain subject or, or really whatever you yeah. want, you can email us at hello at gen-5.com. We want to thank you again for taking time to listen to our first podcast. And I'm Alex. I'm Kia. And until next time.